Hello, my name is Karina, and today I'll be interviewing two very good friends, Iris and Anna. Do I have your consent? Yes. Today's topic is about mental health. Let's get started. So, Iris, I want to ask you, what is mental health? For me, mental health is a series of different things. Um, there's different diagnoses, um, spectrums. So basically, I work with people who have different series of mental health, and that's like depression, um, anxiety, autism, anything that falls into the spectrum and um, any diagnosis in the DSM-5. Um, and like I said, it, this mental health can look different and many different people because no one person experienced mental health the same as another one. Do you have anything to add to that, Anna? As a nurse student, for us, mental health is to make the patient as comfortable as possible. And uh, um, we never ask for their mental status, but we, as a nurse, our job is to check if anything is wrong with the patient. If they if we see something wrong with the patient regarding about the mental health, we um, discuss that with our supervisor. Um, to it is to go off of what you said. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the forms of mental illnesses or disorders that you've ex experienced or work with? Um. Well, personally, in my personal life life I have encountered um, autism with one of my family members and um, it's totally different than what I've encountered with working on the, in the field and so because it's a personal view my um, family member is very different they are for that person in specific is very disruptive um, Aggressive behavior, it's a little bit difficult to de-escalate situations and especially for the parent. But working in the field, it's a bit easier to help a patient de-escalate a situation if they're having a tantrum, if they're, um, if they're experiencing arousal or anything like that. It's a bit easier just because they do see someone as an authoritative figure and as a professional um, we're taught how to de-escalate situations like that. Other mental illnesses that I've encountered working in the field are depression and anxiety. <clears throat> One patient in the specific, this patient um, suffers a lot of um, sleeping all day. That's how they cope with their depression. They sleep a lot. Um, they... They also do have a lot of disruptive behavior, kind of, like um, they do participate in the taking of illicit drugs and stuff like that. So it also depends on the age of the patient, um, the nature nurture side. So it depends on a lot of stuff, but those are the two main things that I've encountered, two main mental health um, illnesses that I've encountered while working in the field. So Anna, do you, going off of what Edie said, do you think it's more difficult to help someone that you already know 
who is struggling rather than somebody that you don't know? Well, first of all, when you're nursing for you, you do not know your patients. If you work in a specific place, well, of course you know your patient and you know how to deal with the patient. From personal um, experience, I was doing clinicals at a rehab center and I had a patient who had dementia. She would, um, you know, like yell at you to leave her alone and that you are a stranger. And my job as a nurse was to um, be, be as warming, as caring as I could possibly be and, and tell her that I'm not someone who uh, would harm her on the country, someone who can heal her. And little by little, I was gaining her trust. And um, she would even um, ask for me, um, when are we going to eat lunch? Um, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's kind of difficult to do with patients that you don't know because you don't know what to expect and they don't know what to expect from you. So yeah. It is. Do you think because of that emotional attachment that you have with somebody that you know, do you think that's an impediment on you getting your family member the help that they need? Do you think those emotions get in the way? So for me, um, I do think that it is an impediment knowing them personally just because Obviously, me as a mental health professional, I cannot provide them the care that they need because as we're taught since um, in all our psych courses, we cannot treat patients that are family members or anything like that. So yeah, it definitely is an impediment, but um, <clears throat> on my end, I do my best to um, advocate for them, to get the parents to see that this specific person might need help, and so that's really the only thing I can do because I can't, I can't force them to go to um, therapy to seek whatever help they need without the parents' consent. And so what I can do on my end personally is to advocate for um, that person and try to get them the help they need because I cannot provide them that help. Anna, so... Which mental illnesses or disorders do you think are most common? Again, it just depends on the field that you work in. Um, if you're working with the elderly patients, the most common would be dementia, Alzheimer's. That would be the most common um, mental health that I've encountered and see. Um, I really would like to work with the elderly patients because um, they are very innocent and sometimes they are um you know misread because they're oh they don't need any help as the young ones so yeah that's the most mental illness i've seen um while working in the clinicals with elderly patients was dementia and alzheimer's can you tell me the difference between dementia and alzheimer's uh, each patient varies um sometimes they repeat over and over and over some stories that um you are not familiar or they confuse you with somebody that they um used to um know and i'll be honest with you i'm not really an expert to distinguish either alzheimer's or dementia but i've seen those characteristics but i just can't decide if it's alzheimer's or dementia do you have anything to add to that Edis? um like she said, it's very similar. Those two dis um, illnesses are very similar. But 
one of them being dementia, it's detected a bit earlier in age, and Alzheimer's is detected a bit later in age. So, um, like, Alzheimer's, I believe it's, like, maybe 60s, 70s, that's when they detected on patients, and dementia, like I said, it's detected earlier in age, so it develops earlier than Alzheimer's does. So I think maybe that's the biggest difference between them, because, um, like she said, those two are very similar diseases, so, yeah. As Anna mentioned, the most common ones were dementia and Alzheimer's. What are the most common mental illnesses in your field? So, in my field, um, I mean, I wouldn't say the most common, maybe the most, the, the illnesses that I see the most, just because I'm working at a, with a certain age, uh, we work with ages somewhere around three, three years to 21 years. And so it just depends on the, the amount of illness and stuff. But the illnesses that I see mostly and I've worked most with are depression, anxiety. Those, those correlate a lot with um, teens and younger kids. They have more of ADHD, disruptive behaviors type of things. So um, it's a, a very, the illness is very depending on what patients we get and stuff, but those are the most, most commonly seen in my area of field. And like Anna said, she worked with the elderly in clinicals and um, it's a little obvious, it's obvious that she might see dementia and Alzheimer's more than she would, you know, ADHD because that's a lot of that is like younger kids and stuff like that. Can you tell me what causes some of these mental illnesses? Um, so a lot of people, you know, neuro, it might be some problem neurologically, it could be nature nurture. So, and basically, in general, we really don't know what causes them. Like, I'll give you an example, autism, a lot of people say, they are thinking, oh, genetics, oh, neurology, nature nurture, but it really doesn't, and some people even think that vaccines cause autism, but we really don't know the cause, and um, some studies have shown that vaccines do not cause autism, and that's like the main thing that people, you know, that don't educate themselves on this topic, think that oh autism is caused by vaccines and that leads to you know parents not wanting to get vaccines for their kids because of the fear of them developing autism later on so um we, I mean really I I can't tell you for certain what causes this depression autism anxiety anything like that you know but it Nature, nurture, neurologically, genetics, who knows what causes them. Anna, do you have anything to add to what Edis just said? No, I don't. Do you think that you're born with like depression or do you think it's something that is developed at a certain point in your life? For me, um, there are two causes that um, a patient or a person can develop um, depression. One, some um, irregular uh, electrical impulses in your brain that doesn't get enough serotonin 
and then the other type of depression would be um, traumatic experiences like uh, if a patient suffer um, raped or um, family members or anybody that put them down a lot that can cause depression so for me personally it would be two different factors of um, that causes depression thank you it is um, so like Anna just mentioned there can be triggers that cause a mental illness like depression um, can you tell me if you know about any other mental illnesses that are caused by sort of triggers um well I mean apart from depression the only thing I can think of as of now anxiety because like I said I work with kids who don't have very some of them have very similar illnesses so I haven't had the chance to um, expand my knowledge on a different type of um, illnesses besides school and stuff but yeah so anxiety maybe you know that could be triggered by a smell of whatever smell of flowers or anything like that so apart from depression honestly the only thing I can think of right now is anxiety oh and disruptive behaviors you know um, some kids come come to us with ADHD anything like that so little things can trigger depression anxiety anything like that thank you Anna I want to ask you do you think that and mental illness can be cured or is it something that stays with you forever um, it depends on the mental um, health um, specifically um, I don't think it can be cured 100% but you can you know live with it learn how to cope with it um, uh, probably I don't know like medications can help ease you know the mental um, illness that you're having but for me personally um, cure no I don't think there's no cure just like you know live with it little by little get professional help or um speak with someone who you really trust and and um yeah that's that's all i can think of now kind of like support yeah it is do you have anything to add do you think that mental illnesses can be cured some of them like she said um i mean no they can't be cured you know you just People just learn how to live with them kind of thing like she said they seek help they have to have a big support system um, that's there for them you know medication um, stuff like that so I don't think mental illness can be cured um, it's just focusing on depression or anxiety you know those are like kind of it's like kind of like it's sleeping and then something will trigger it you could be fine today you know going on about your day and then tomorrow you wake up and you're not wanting to get out of bed or you get out of bed go on about your day but you're just feeling that you know depressed um and stuff like that so no it can't be cured it can't um you can manage it and it, you can see seek help but no like she said i don't think it can be cured what does anxiety look like on a person well like i said depending on the person each person is different so um any anything it, like 
some people can experience panic attacks, you know, um, thinking that the world is against them, stuff like that, and other people can be totally different. So, um, it's very different for each person, so I can't say for certainty what it looks like because, like I said, it's very different for each person, um, so, yeah. I know when you think about depression, what do you think about, like, how do you think about a, a person experiencing, what are the signs that you think about, um, for example, a person doesn't groom themselves or anything like that? Um, I saw patients um, or either, even friends, um, when they are suffering depression, the first thing that I notice is that they isolate themselves. They do not um, socialize with people. Um, also, they um, just don't, don't eat. Um, they sleep a lot or um, their behavior changes. Like if they were so happy, then all of a sudden they're just quiet, sad or crying. That's when I know when um, someone, not necessarily is depressed, but I know some, something is going on in there. And I ask everything is okay. And um, they usually say, yes, I'm okay, but in reality, they're not. So that's one of the um, signs that I see that they isolate themselves. They, the, the behavior changes, you know, suddenly. That's how I know when um, something is going on. Thank you. It is um, when you know, like you physically know that somebody is suffering for example, depression or any other mental illness, what can you do to be there for them or help them? On a personal level or on a professional level? Um, you can say both. Okay, so professional level, um, what we're taught to do is, you know, first and foremost, make sure they're okay, they're doing okay, um, and establish if, you know, they have suicidal ideation or anything like that because that's common scene um, correlated with depression. So what we do is we create a safety plan so that, you know, make sure they're safe at home, school. We create a safety plan so that they always know what to do. We help them memorize that safety plan, memorize some phone numbers on the safety plan. And as a professional, that's what I can do and make sure that they know that I'm there for them, um, that I'm accessible at a certain time. Uh, personally, what I can do is try to um it de depression depends on a person it they a person can have different types um of behaviors like anna said you know isolated and stuff like that um but a person with depression could also very well get up in the morning go about the day laugh joke around with you and still be depressed but you just can't see it they're just really good at hiding that so personally, what I do is, you know, make sure that they're okay, talk with them, know, let my friends and family members or whoever I'm aware that if they do have depression, um, let them know that I'm there for them, that I'm there to talk. And if I can't help with something, I can definitely help them look for the help that they need. Thank you. I want to ask you also... Um, how do you, or how would you be able to tell if you were personally unwell? Like if you thought 
there was something wrong with you, um, you thought you had some sort of depression, like, is there any, like, self-diagnosis that you can do on yourself? Mm, personally, for me, um, it's, maybe it might be a bit easier to detect if one is experiencing the depression symptoms and stuff like that, but personally, working in a mental health um, field and stuff, it's it might be a little bit harder for someone who's a mental health professional, a psychologist, a therapist, whatever it is, it might be harder for them to seek help just because they will think, oh, this is what I do, this is my job, I help kids, I help adults, I help teens figure this stuff out, so I'll just do whatever I do with them and I'll do it to myself. Like, I'll come up with a safety plan or I'll come up with coping skills um, and stuff like that. That's just how I personally would deal with it. And if I notice that none of that stuff is helping, you know, coping skills or anything like that, then I would seek professional help because that's not on me anymore. I cannot help myself anymore. So, um, and uh, I would notice stuff with my behavioral changes Sometimes you won't even notice your behavioral change. It takes other people to tell you, siblings, parents, uncles, aunts, whatever it is, um, for you to start listening and hearing those common things. Oh, you're changing, your behavior's changing, you're more sporadic, you're, more, you're easily irritated, stuff like that. So um, personally, that's what I think. That's how you would notice if you had some sort of behavioral change or um, you're starting to develop panic attacks or anxiety or whatever it is. So just, you know, keeping an ear out to your peers and family members who you are always with and listening to what they have to say and um, trying to understand their point of view and seeing, oh, maybe my behavior has changed. So maybe, you know, I need to do something about it. I need to seek help or whatever. Thank you. Anna, what do you think is the most severe form of a mental illness? For me, the severe form in the, in in that it's really really sad. It would be um correct me if I'm wrong um schizophrenia. That would be the worst for me, because one day you're this person, then the other day you're another person, and you don't know what you are capable of, you uh, see hallucinations and everything. That, that for me, I personally, um, I'm scared of people that have that. Sometimes you don't even know uh, because it, it varies. There's various the symptoms, the signs and symptoms, and you just got to be very cautious. And then, um, and then if you know a person with that um, illness, just be as nice as possible. Don't let them strange. Like I say, they um, have, you know, a bunch of things going on in the mind is just like it's very scary for me thank you Elise do you have anything to add to that um, what was the question for Rebecca? what do you think is the most severe form of a mental illness I mean yeah like she said schizophrenia is bad you know um, and she pointed out that she would be scared of um people with schizophrenia and stuff like that. I personally think that um, schizophrenia is on the top with other things like, you know, psychosis and stuff like that, uh, psychotic people and things like that. 
But, I mean, I agree with her. People with schizophrenia could at times be a bit scary because they're very sporadic. You don't you don't know what they're going to do. So, you, you know, we have to be aware that anything can happen. So, um, but, yeah, personally, I would be a bit scared. But that's why we educate ourselves. Um, in learning how to act in case of an emergency or anything like that. So I wouldn't say schizophrenia is the worst for me personally, but I would say it's at the top with other mental illnesses. Now that you've mentioned psychosis, can you tell me what that is? You're not very familiar with it. No, I'm not. Sorry. It's fine. Um, I want to ask you both. Um, I know you can start. Could you give everyone some self-care tips? In regards of mental health, if you're struggling with any mental health, if you think that you have some mental health, um, talk with someone that you trust and ask them if they've seen something like any changes like in in behavior or um the way that you act and then if that's not enough for you seek professional help but you gotta you know have the mentality saying oh i know something is wrong with me so i know i need help i gotta seek for it and i know it's not um cheap it could be expensive but trust me seeking um help with the professional it will ease all the problems that you've been having um you get to live better um help others if you need but you have to take care of yourself first in order to help others i absolutely agree it is um here with the last two questions the first one i want to ask you is do you think uh, mental health is seen sort of as a stigma, frowned upon, um, anything like that? Um, depending on your cultural background and de- depending on, um, you know, where you live and things like that. Because in the Caucasian community, it's not... I believe personally that it's not frowned upon, you know, because um, there are some of the parents seek help more than what a Hispanic community would or an African-American community or stuff like that. Because working in the field, I've noticed that we get a lot of referrals for Caucasian kids and um, we rarely get referrals for... um, Hispanic kids or teens or whatever, um, African-American kids or teens. And so it just depends on your cultural background. Me personally, my cultural background, I'm Hispanic. So um, it is, I believe it is frowned upon in the Hispanic community. Uh, It's a bit difficult working with kids who are Hispanic and both of their parents are Hispanic and trying to get them the care that they need because the parents do not believe in this stuff. The parents, um, they, if the child says something like, oh, I'm depressed or um, I'm having anxiety or I'm having panic attacks, parents regularly say, 
oh, you're crazy. You know, if you want to seek help with a psychologist, a therapist, whatever it is, they say you're crazy. That's for crazy people. And so, and the African-American community and the, um, they're very similar to the Hispanic community in, in those terms. So I do believe that, yes, it is frowned upon, especially depending on your cultural background. Do you think it has to do with the lack of education or awareness? Um, maybe not the lack of education, but awareness. Definitely awareness, you know. Um, some parents don't have the resources, um, even the language to uh, learn about this stuff. They could be, I don't know, they could be a high school dropout and be very knowledgeable of mental illness or they could be a college graduate and have very little knowledge on mental illness so it just depends on your awareness on your own personal education on what you want to learn so i would say awareness is the key factor do you have anything to add to that anna no i don't okay and with the last question here what can you tell us about or give anybody some um self-care tips what would you say um for self-care going off what anna said earlier about you know seeking help with someone you trust talking to the people that might not have anyone in their lives that they trust might not have family members friends whatever it is um if you feel like you need help Definitely reach out to a, um, I don't know, depending on your age, a teacher, um, a professional. You, the internet is filled with, with information on um, different professionals, different resources. But also for self-care personally, you know, depending on what you like. If you like to read books, buy yourself a new book. Um, go to the beach, go for a walk, exercise, eat healthy get enough sleep, um, anything depending on who you are and what you like, focus your self-care on that, you know, make sure that you personally are physically and mentally okay because like Anna said, if you're okay, then uh, if you're a mental health professional or a teacher or whatever, your kids will be okay or the people you work with will be okay. So just Make sure you're always okay. You're always giving yourself self-care. And if it, you aren't giving yourself enough self-care, then you can't give your best to the um, to the kids or teens or elderly that you work with. Thank you for that. And with that, we end this interview. Thank you so much for letting me interview all. Mm -hmm. Have welcome. a good night.